It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. It's time to get the inside scoop on the Utah Jazz. From the play-by-play voice of the Jazz, David Locke. Sweet revenge! Presented by Murdoch Auto Group. Ow! On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome on in, everybody. It is Unrivaled 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Keery, Scott Mitchell, and the voice of the Utah Jazz, as you just heard, David Locke. Locke, what's going on, man? We're halfway through this uh, roadie. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm in Orlando. I'm in a hammock by the side of some lake looking at some super beautiful water feature in the middle of the lake. And if it gets too windy, let me know. Well, but how's the underwear situation? Still good on underwear? Or you, you, you're I'm wearing shorts that have liners inside there you go that's a a a solution right there we've gotten to a good spot uh lock with the (laughs) no you keep going i want to hear whatever the next part is here too no okay i I break my i break my clothes out by city Uh, when i pack does that make sense sure yeah yeah. each city's in a each city's in a packing tube so um there are no leftovers yet which okay. is concerning. Well, well uh, oh something tells me that at the hotels that you stay at, there might be some services there, but, you know, there you go. I have wool light. I have wool light with me. Good. Good for you. Um, so this Jazz team now on a three-game road losing streak, four games overall, um, doesn't help to have so many guys missing for various reasons. Not having three starters last night didn't seem to hamper the Jazz too much. You have to just look at how everything is kind of overall. Chris Dunn's performance so far has been really good. What's your estimation of him so far? You know, we talk a lot about all the big, big-time big scores, but what has he meant to Will Hardy just in the last stretch of about six games here? So, I mean, this man the fifth pick of the draft. You know, maybe that was a mistake by Minnesota. I mean, well, it was unquestionably a mistake because if I can't remember who was drafted like six or seven in that draft, but that was a mistake because there's somebody who was drafted right after him that was actually great. Um, I'm spacing on who it is. But, I mean, so this guy – Well, Larry Marketing was one of them, by the way. He was two picks after him. No, I don't think so. I think the next year. Oh, that was next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, was twenty. Yeah, because he gets – because Chris Dunn gets traded with Larry Marketing from sure. Minnesota yeah, to yeah, Chicago. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, um, you know, I think when you – what. You see, so you you're not the fifth pick of the draft unless you have all the physical tools, and you have a game that makes people believe you can be really good. Now something happens along the way, and in his case, he couldn't shoot it well, and or he never develops the shot, and so that really precludes him from being able to 
expand his career, and then he ends up kind of on the treadmill of bouncing from team to team, and I think COVID had an impact on him. And next thing you know, he's kind of out of the league. Um, really stunningly fast, by the way, I would point out. Um, but so, you know, he's got all the tools. So we see once or twice a night where those deep, that defensive prowess kicks in and gets a steal and he's gutsy. And then he sees the game and feels the game really pretty well. And I think we're seeing, I, if I'm honest, I don't, you know, he played in the Eastern Conference and he, and he hasn't played in a little while. So I don't remember his game particularly well, other than it's kind of, he was long and good defensively and he couldn't shoot, um, up to NBR, NBA average. And so that's all I really remembered. But I would say I'm watching him, and he seems to have developed this kind of in-between game and is scoring in the floater zone at a absurdly high rate right now. It's not sustainable. I think he's about 64% on that shot, so that's a little misleading. But he just seems to maybe he's you know maybe going down to the being out of the league, playing in the G League, and then you know realizing that this is I've got to figure out how I'm going to survive. He may have made that stride and. You know, is he a backup point guard? I I don't know. Um, honestly, if you really in this day and age in this league, if you don't really you know rip the courts from the outside, it's super hard to play. But is he a third guard that like the Jazz, a third point guard where the Jazz might decide that you know we're willing to to pay him for a year or two, you know, get him and sign him up? I mean, I, I would assume at this point we'll probably sign him for the rest of the year. I can't actually imagine us functioning without him. Um. So we'll see. I don't know that for a fact, but it just, you know, he's played really well. He's playing 26 minutes a night, and he's on a second 10-day contract, so that does expire, and then you have to sign him for the rest of the year. And we have an open roster spot, so all of those things lead you to believe we would do that. But the real question is the Jazz have part of their what's called mid-level exception in their salary cap, so they could actually try to strike a deal with him where they give him a little bit more money than the minimum the rest of the way and sign him to a deal for next year and maybe even the year after that if they believe he's shown them enough progress that he, they think he's a decent backup or third point guard. Not many teams are carrying third point guards anymore. That seems to be kind of a position that's gone by the wayside with two-way players, so that makes it a little more difficult. Uh, one of the really pleasant surprises of this season is the emergence of Laurie Markkinen as an all-star. Um, and, you know, he's just, he's just been tremendous, you know, all year. Where where does his game go from here, and where where does his game need to go uh, in the future? So I'm seeing signs of. I got to share a funny story. Last night, we came back from the game. We stayed in Dallas last night and flew today. And so I was. We went. I went out to a restaurant, and then Thurl and Fuller happened to go to the same restaurant. So I moved over and sat with them. They allowed me to do so. And kind to of. our right was Lowry. It was kind of on a you know communal table. To our right was Lowry, and the jazz highlights came on from the game on Sports Center on the TV in the restaurant. And it was funny. I'm not sure I've ever been with a player watching their own highlights before. That's cool. I would imagine with his uh, Finnish background, he was up and just cheering and pointing yeah, at the TV. Right. right. Well, he had a pretty big monster dunk last night. Yes. So that, like, that got everyone's attention. Like, we were all watching to see his reaction on that. And then he had a beautiful spin move in the lane, and he's like, well, my spin move doesn't even make it. Like, it was pretty funny. Um, it was funny just to see him kind of watch himself on television. I, I, I feel like I should have had that experience at some point in my career. Like, I've done this for a really long time, but maybe I haven't because it sure didn't feel like I watched a game. Like, I've rewatched a game with a player before, but not, like, where we're in a setting like that and he's on the television. So that was kind of cool. 
Um, I think I'm seeing little signs from Lowry of improvement. In fact, that's what I'm going to ask Will to open the press conference tomorrow. Where are areas that Lowry has improved throughout this season? One of the things I saw a bunch last night was just a much lower dribble. Like earlier in the year when he came across the lane with a high dribble, there was like a key play late in the game where we gave him the ball and I showed he was I should think he turned it over, but I think he got kicked out of bounds and we had to rerun another play. Yeah, it's the play. He then misses a fadeaway on the next play late in the game. Um, like he's just seven feet, so trying to dribble in traffic is an area that's hard for him because – and I thought I saw him crouched lower last night with a lower dribble and working and using his body a little bit better to shield him on the play where Kyrie Irving fouled him up top right. If people watch the game, that's a, that's one where I'm thinking of where I saw him very clearly kind of had the ball further away from the defender. So I think we're seeing some ball handling skills from him. And then I think we're seeing more powerful drives to the basket from him than we've seen before. I think he's got a better understanding of how to use his size and strength than he did earlier in his career, like when he gets a smaller guy on him, he's just killing him right now. I mean, he's just murdering him. Um, and so I think we're seeing that. Like Kyrie got switched on him two times last night and annihilated him. Um, so I think there are a bunch of areas where we're seeing Lowry right before our eyes develop a new aspect of being, you know, a star. Ron Hood and I had an interesting discussion today on the plane of whether he's a star or a superstar. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of the next question. I still have him as just a star. Like when I watch Nicola or Luca or maybe even Kyrie or Giannis or Joel and Jason Tatum, which I think to me are the superstars, Don's playing pretty close. They got the best differential in the league. But I don't think Don's quite a superstar either. I think he's a star. Like, I've got six superstars in the league. I might be forgetting someone. Somebody might want to, like, if I'm forgetting someone, let me know. Like, I don't think he's in that group yet. Like, I think, and then, Kevin you know, you Durant. have Don and Shake. Kevin Durant, thank you. Yes, absolutely. And Devin Booker's awfully close to being a superstar, frankly. Um, and so I don't know if I think he's in that group yet. And then my next tier is Don, Shea Gildas, Alexander, and that whole collection of players who are equally as awesome. And they're probably, you know, those guys are awfully close. And is Lowry in that group? I mean, I think we're getting awfully close to having to put Lowry in that group. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Locke, one of the things that we've been watching, too, with this team is is just Will Hardy gets thrown, you know, what the injury report looks like, you know, illnesses, things like that. With no Walker Kessler in the game, wh- what are the what are the Jazz like? Where do they go from there? I mean, and, and, uh, and what's his status for uh, the Orlando game? Is it just kind of a short-lived illness that he had? Um, he is still sick, but I don't know. We don't shoot around tomorrow, so I don't think we'll know until right up to game time. Mm. 
Um, I did now. I think about it. I didn't see him today. Now we travel on different buses, and they sit in the front of the plane, and we sit back. And so that's not like unusual that I didn't see him today. Actually, just kind of the way it works on a non-game day travel, where we actually get. If I don't ride down the elevator with him or see him as we're all getting on the bus at the same time, then you actually would, you might not, you wouldn't see him. So that's not, that's un, wasn't unusual. I just was commenting on that. Okay, I'll stop now. Um, <laughs> the, I thought the takeaway last night was super interesting was I thought Lowry, and I've always thought this this year, Lowry was really good as a backup center last night. Kelly Olenek was really good too. But Lowry had some plays protecting the rim last night that were outstanding. And then Damian Jones... Out yeah. in space, defending on the floor. Who knew? Right. I didn't. His career is really funky, by the way. Like, I don't think he's – you guys have basketball reference in front of you? I do, actually, you just because I know you always ask me. Pull up pull up basketball reference, Damian Jones, if you know how to use – if you're – like, sorry, I'm sure. sure on my head because, you know, I'm sitting by the river looking at the water feature. <laughs> I'm a hammock. Um, go to Damian Jones' down. Sacramento game log and check out his last, like – now, I do believe that, like, late April numbers mean nothing. But go look at his last eight, 15 games in Sacramento. Uh, um, okay. But here's why, da- here's why Damian Jones is super interesting. So he's the 30th pick of the first round. If you read his scouting report out of college, like, okay, there's all sorts of limitations, and there's reasons why he's not a top 10 pick. Like, okay, so he's the 30th pick of the draft. Like, he's a first-round talent. He's not brilliant, but he's the 30th pick. He goes to the Warriors while they're winning championships. You just never get to play, right? Yep. Like, that's the worst spot you can be drafted as a rookie is a championship-caliber team. You get the exposure, but you don't get to play. So he goes there for three years and never plays. That's got to blast your zest of the game a little bit. From there, he signs with Atlanta. What's interesting to me about that is Travis Slank, the then-GM in Atlanta, was the assistant GM in Golden State. So whatever in the three years in Golden State he didn't play, Travis Schlank, who was in Golden State in that time period, still liked him enough to go sign him. Follow that? Like, I think that's important. Yeah, it doesn't work in Atlanta. It mm-hmm. doesn't work in Atlanta. And he ends up in Phoenix. He gets just kind of seemingly lost in the shuffle in Phoenix. He's on 10-day – oh, no, he goes to the Lakers on two 10-day contracts. But we're now into the COVID year. Right? This is now the COVID year. So it's a disaster. Teams are shipping players in, like players you've never heard of. More players play, right? He used two 10-day contracts with Lakers. Then he goes to two 10-day contracts with Phoenix. He gets kind of lost in the shuffle. And then he signs with Sacramento. And I think he spends two years in Sacramento. He does. Gets a li- little bit of time. Oh, no, he signs. No, no, he takes another 10-day contract in Sacramento. And they sign him almost immediately at the right. end of the season. Mm-hmm. You go look at the date. And he goes and spends the year in Sacramento, and he closes the year last year in Sacramento. Do you have that up, Alex? I do. And it's uh, – so his last uh, – how many games did you want then? I mean, that's stretch. Like nine, nine, ten games. That's exactly right. So between that 72nd and 80 and uh, 80th – or 82nd game of the season, he went uh, 15, 24, 19, 19, 22, 12, 19. And so – and that was well beyond anything that he had done earlier in the year. He had one other 20-point game. Uh, you know, 20 games into the season. But his last – that last stretch right there was uh, pretty insane. Okay. So, on July 1, the first day of free agency, the Lakers sign him. Because they saw The something. Lakers don't have money. They go they, – they don't have money, so they're trying to find guys that aren't going to be big. And they, and they go and get Damian Jones 
on July 1. Like, he was their target. Sure. Understanding they didn't have money, but that was their he was their primary target. So, like, he's got this funky career where, like, the first three years are lost. I don't know why it doesn't work in Atlanta. That makes sense. He starts getting bounced around. It actually works pretty well in Sacramento by the end. He goes to the Lakers, and then I'm not entirely sure why. Like, it doesn't totally work in L.A. this year. And then they trade, like, I think when they, you know, they, Thomas Bryant gets a bunch of time, and they've got, you know, A.D., obviously A.D., and, like, it's just, you know, whatever reason, he just doesn't click in in L.A. So he's not perfect, and I'm not trying to say he's a star, but I also feel like he's still kind of untapped. Like, there are just careers in the NBA that never get started, and I feel like that's where his is right now. And I don't – obviously, if he was – unbelievable he would start his career right like if you're great your career starts like right like you know and nfl quarterbacks we can think of plenty of them who like you know oh well they were great so they actually broke through so he's not great but he i think he might be much more viable than his career has said he is up to this point and i was really impressed with the skill set last night so how valuable then is this last part of the season i mean can you can you find a guy like that uh with the games left and with the with the opportunities they're presented, uh, you know, I mean, Chris Dunn is clearly a guy that maybe, you know, maybe you can see enough to where you go, yeah, this guy. I mean, do they do they have enough time to really uh, build up a body of work that the Jazz go, yeah, we've got enough confidence that we think we can work with this and and they can be an asset that we can build on in the future, or is it just getting I mean, through super, the end of the season? No, it's no, it's super important. It's twenty percent of the season, basically, right? Like it's. Still twenty. It's seventeen games. Like yeah. it's okay. So it's you know it's eight sixteen percent at this point. But it's really important. Ochai Abaji goes two for eleven last night. Okay, how do you bounce back? Right. Like Will Hardy has told you, I want you to do more. I want you to try to do more. I want you to drive more. I want you to try to make plays. I want you to take the burden. And I and I want you to fail. And then I want you to be okay with failing. So how does he react to two for eleven? I think that's really interesting. Kalen Horton Tucker has never played minutes like this in his life as a point guard trying to make these decisions. And I don't think there's any chance he possibly figures it all out in the next 17 games, but he might be better, right? Like it's a really like that's you're going from zero to 60 on this with a chance to play these minutes. So I think that's really important. Like I think Walker's got to finish out the season and learn what he can continue to do. So I think these are really, really important. I thought last night was like, first of all, a highly entertaining game. And, you know, we lost to Luka and Kyrie. Like, oh, well, Kyrie was the first pick of the draft, and Luka is the third pick of the draft. And these guys are really great, and they've done this a lot of times in really big moments. And Taylor Horton Tucker was, like, bringing the ball to the floor for us with Ochai Abaji, who's never done it in their lives. So is it surprising that one team, like, hit four out of five shots and the other team hit two out of five? No. Is that a bad thing? Not really. And the fact is it was an incredible kind of – and now let me say this, okay? Let's let's also say this. Uh, Chris Dunn didn't look great against Oklahoma City. Taylor Horton Tucker didn't look great against Oklahoma City. And Damon yeah. Jones didn't look great. You know why? Oklahoma City plays hard and plays defense, and Dallas doesn't. They do not defend well. So, yeah. yeah. Right. So Dallas is just kind of there. They're not taking your space. They're not getting into you. They're not bothering you. They're not difficult to play. So maybe what you learned last night was, okay, in those settings, Chris Dunn, Damian Jones, Taylor Horton Tucker can be really successful. How guys suddenly had to make decisions against a swarming, aggressive, long, tenacious, 
Oklahoma State defense, we committed 27 turnovers. Right? So maybe there's a limit where they are right now, and then you got to work to see if you can get them past that limit. So I think you also have to be – like, it's worth noting on Chris Dunn, and I'm not trying to be critical, but his best game so far have come against Dallas and San Antonio. Two horrendous defensive teams. So, like, what is he? Oh, boy. David, you still there? I am. Oh, there you go. Go ahead. We just lost you for the last four and a half seconds here. I don't know. Uh, I just was saying, like, um, you know, Chris Dunn's best games have come against bad defensive teams, San Antonio and Dallas. Right. And he wasn't as good against Oklahoma City. So, I think that matters. You have to see who also the opponents are in all these matchups. David Locke, he's got the call, uh, of course, in Orlando tomorrow. That's where he is, by the way, in a hammock uh, by a water feature in Orlando. Just picture him there as we get ready for this. Do you want me to, you me to send you pictures? I, I listen, love, like love a, pictures, yeah, of course. Send them. And if you want to at David with some, uh, on Twitter with some uh, food recommendations, Scott, of course, was a former Orlando resident. He could probably point you in the right direction there as well. So. Where, do I, where do I eat here? I'm out, actually, though, we're out at like this complex, and there's nothing around us. No. That's okay. Scott will always Scott wife. will always have thoughts on food in in the yeah, don't eat area. near Disney World. <laughs> it's all tourist traffic. <laughs> no. I found uh, bone, some Korean bone, kitchen. Bone fish I found some pretty... Korean kitchen on Yelp. Oh, bonefish. Bonefish okay, is that's, really that's good. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. There you go. A little uh, recommendation from a uh, from a guy who used to live uh, across the water from uh, Tiger Woods. Why? So, yeah. When did you live in Orlando? Um, I don't know. Two thousand. Well, I I played in the World League there in nineteen ninety two and fell in love oh, with okay. it. And so. Some okay. amazing lakes out near Disney World. Yeah, a lot of guys fall in love with yeah. this place. I have not. Tiger, Shaquille been... O'Neal, they were all my my neighbors. Well, yeah, then. if you're staying downtown, like if you're playing, like downtown Orlando is not the place. To no, be, no, no, like... no. <laughs> no, right. I have, right. I haven't, I haven't really understood this place yet, but no, I, I'll, no. con- I'll continue to try to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, right, I'm trying to send you the picture, but I have no battery left. So. Okay, don't don't worry um, about it. We'll. Uh, oh wait, we'll I think it, it just went through. I sent it to your. I sent it to your esteemed producer there you go all right jeremy's gonna pick it up and then he'll uh, forward it to us and then uh yeah. and then we'll we'll at you on that as well david uh have a good have a good rest of the road trip here uh it's orlando tonight and then you hit the road again and it's just like it's such a wild schedule over the next little while for this jazz team and then they come home and then they face even more insane uh, uh challenges at home as well just right around the corner so magic hornets heat and then back at home for the celtics kings trailblazers and bucks so that's gonna be a fun stretch thanks for hanging out david I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.